This morning's text is from the prophet known as Isaiah, chapter 40, and I picked this text because so much of the Messiah, Handel's Messiah, is drawn from these words. There were actually, this is actually the lectionary text from last week, but uh, it feels exactly right to me this week that we hear it read and preached. The words are familiar to most of us, and uh, if not, you've certainly heard several already lifted up in our portions of the Messiah. May God open up to us an understanding of this word. Beginning in the first verse, these exquisite, magnificent words of hope, comfort, oh comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her, she has served her term, that her penalty is paid, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice cries out, In the wilderness prepare the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up, and every mountain and hill be made low. The uneven ground shall become level, and the rough places a plain. Then the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all people shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A voice says, cry out. And I said, what shall I cry? All people are grass. Their constancy is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades. When the breath of the Lord blows upon it, surely the people are grass, the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. This is the word of the Lord. It's hard for us to get a sense of how powerful these words are, comfort, oh comfort ye my people. On the lips of Isaiah, after for 39 chapters, actually several hundred years, the prophet known as Isaiah had been proclaiming that God's will must be done, and the people refused to listen. The prophet known as Isaiah proclaimed for 39 chapters that if you Do not take care of the widows and the orphans, the most powerless people in your community, the poorest people, then there will be a price to pay for 39 chapters and for many, many years. And then in 587, the prophet's words became real. The Babylonian armies marched into Israel, did what victory, Victorious armies do. They took the women, the men, and the children with them, doing to them what victorious armies do. They pillaged and stole, and they burned the city, Jerusalem, to the ground, and the temple with it. It was the demise, the ending of the first temple. And at that point, all or most of these Jewish people were now in a march of exile into Babylon to become servants and slaves of their victors. They lost everything. 
They lost their homes. They lost many of their family members. They lost their possessions. They lost their temple. They lost their hope, their faith, and even their God. But after 587, everything changed. Exiled into a land known as Babylon, which is now Iraq, they struggled mightily for 50 years. And then the prophet known as Isaiah stands up on a high mountain and proclaims as a herald, Comfort ye, comfort ye, my people. It's hard for us to relate to these words, mainly because we corporately have never had an exile experience like that. Probably the closest you can come to it would be the Africans from, who were uh, taken in Africa and transported to the United States to become slaves. They know what exile is about. Or maybe the Confederacy after it lost the war all of those soldiers trying to march home to get back home, they have a sense of what exile was about. Corporately, though, from the United States, we don't, but individually, we do. You've lost a loved one. You've lost a marriage. You've lost a job. You've lost your hope. You've lost your help. Life gets upside down, we lose our bearings, we no longer know where we are or what we're called to be or do, we are in exile. Individually, sooner or later, we get it. Anita and I were watching a show last night, I don't remember the channel, but it was basically about Europe after World War II. And it was a painful, painful uh, realization for, we don't get a lot of history about what happens after we win the war. We don't really understand how completely exiled 40 million people were in that war who had to find their way back, passing through towns and cities where they had previously been enemies. And those, many of those city and townspeople would take it out on them when they saw them coming through. Their exile and and way back home was beyond anything we can imagine. And the process that the Allies went through to help make that happen is in itself a logistical amazement. But they knew exile. And they knew what it was like to try to find their way back home, not even knowing if there was a home left to find. Isaiah says comfort to them and to us. Another reason we have trouble with this word is not that we haven't experienced that kind of exile, but also because, you know, what we've done with language is we've neutered it. We've sort of taken the oomph out of it because words now are used without real sense of whether they are true or not or real or not. We've neutered them of credibility. So when we hear the word comfort, we immediately either get cynical or we think, oh, I know, uh, comfort of home. Yeah, I get that. Or comfort food or, um, uh, you know. uh, But you know what comfort means? It means in Hebrew, exceedingly strengthened. 
come in Latin, exceeding strength, fort, strength, exceedingly strengthened comfort. My children used to have a blanket they would call a comfortable because they heard us call it a comforter, but they didn't quite interpret what we were saying, so they would always walk around with their comfortable. And it strikes me that if there's an image of the love of God, it must be like in that comfortable blanket that they would carry with them, always having it in times of stress and worry. Not only is God promising us comfort in the midst of our exile, but God is also promising us a smoother way back home. No telling what it was like from Jerusalem to Babylon, and the unbearable agony that they were in. But on the way back, Isaiah says, every valley will be lifted up. Every hill will be brought low. Every plain, rough place, every rough place will be leveled out like a plain. And you will make your way back. And in that process, the Lord God, the glory of the Lord will be revealed and all the people shall see it together. And in Isaiah, I mean, in, in, in Handel's Messiah, when at Easter time we stand up and sing that Alleluia chorus, that's exactly what we are giving witness to. All the people see it together. But it's a heck of a journey. If you've ever seen Independence Day, one of my favorite really cowboy movies, you know, Will Smith is one of the stars and all the world's about to go down the tubes as the invaders from some outer space planet take over the world and none of our military airplanes seem to have any effect on their force fields and so they finally figured out if they can get a plane to sneak up into the belly of the spaceship and, and bring a, a virus to their computer, they can do it in. And in fact, that's what happens after a whole lot of destruction the spacecraft comes down and all the people in the world are standing and cheering and celebrating on tiptoe for they were lost and now they are found. They were in complete fear and exile, but now they have been received back home, given the comfort of God. The enemy is now dead. They are alive. And you get that from time to time. When you're, when you're diagnosed with cancer, by the way, Mercida had a good first meeting with her physician this past week who said he thought that her cancer was treatable. She showed up the, that afternoon at church just like this powerful sense that I'm talking about, this euphoric sense of God's comfort and God's bringing us home. She was elated. Keep her in your prayers. She does not want anything right now, by the way, especially not food. She only eats her own. <laughs> However, that may change. And the feeling is just like coming home again, having been gone for a long time. I bet I've seen five, six people here at church today that have not been here in a long time. And it's that same feeling, just this deep sense of, welcome and how glad we are to see you. I remember going to a little church in Paris called, called St. Germain to pray, which is on the left bank. Anita and I love this little church. It's not really little by our standards, but by Notre Dame it is. And so 
one evening we walked in about five to pray, but also to see it as tourists often do. And as we're prone to do, we were sitting in the congregation in the little chairs having prayer. And we noticed on the side doors, people starting to filter in one by one. And they got my attention. I wonder who they are. And inevitably, they would all come together in the front of the chancel and begin to hug each other and to embrace each other and to laugh and to pat each other. And I had this immediate sense of this homecoming. And it turned out that the 30 or 40 of them were there for a Vesper service. And in a way, it was a homecoming for them as they came back together in worship in this community that they worship in. All they knew to do was to welcome each other as if now they have been lost and now are found or have been exiled and now are back home. It's exactly what we do when we pass the peace. What our ushers and greeters do when they see you coming into the church, welcome, for you are back home. All this is so unbelievably good and powerful. Comfort, oh comfort, the level ground will be made for our way home. But that's not the most hopeful part. The most hopeful part is that the word as cynical as we may be about it, as anxious as as we may be about it, the word, capital W-O-R-D, God's word, endures forever. Grass fades, flowers wilt. That lovely flower sitting on your kitchen table will not last past New Year's. We know that. But the word of the Lord, Isaiah says, will stand forever. We can't understand that because we're finite creatures. We can't understand infinity. We can't understand what forever means. But what it says is that when it comes time to stand on something, it is the word of God. And that word to us is made clear at Christmas when this child, this infant suffering vulnerable child we call the incarnate word of God is made real to us that's God's promise to us God's down payment to us that that word will stand forever and no matter what we do even if we heap the whole discomfort of all the world on his shoulders and put him on a cross the word still stands The truth stands. And for that we give thanks. And for that do we stand. 